Father, thank you that we are those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High. Thank you that there is peace in your presence. Thank you that there is safety under your wing. And Lord, in this place, even as the world elevates the name coronavirus, we elevate the name of Jesus as Lord over all. We glorify you, Lord. No one can steal your glory. No one can take the attention away from you. And we will proclaim the Lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives, over our church, over our town and our nation, over coronavirus, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet, Lord, that you will bring this thing down, Lord, and bring down the fear that is accompanying it, and that we, your church, would be marked as different from the world around us, Lord, that we would be holy, we would be set apart, we would be at peace, we would be at, at peace with you and at peace with what is going on, we would be filled with your spirit, we would be full of joy, even as we navigate a tricky situation, Lord, that you would be with us and that you would lead us in the way that we should go, that you would protect us, and that, Father, you would bring down anything, Lord, that would exalt itself, anything that would steal attention from you, anything that would dominate this planet other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus, glorify yourself in this, and help us to walk in step with you as we walk through this together as a church family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. No handshaking, but you can go ahead and take a seat right now. You can say hi with a polite nod to the people around you. How about this worship team this morning? Come on. All right. So how was your week? I, uh, it was a bit tricky figuring out kind of where to go this morning, and there was a, certainly a, a very much a temptation to just say, okay, we're going to do a kind of a, a sermon about the coronavirus and how we're walking through that together. And uh, as I was praying into that, and as I was uh, just kind of processing that, my thought, honestly, I started to get a bit annoyed, and I think it was a righteous anger, but I just went, you know what? Coronavirus has gotten enough of our attention this week, and that's not, we need to pay attention for sure, but it just has so dominated everything that I went, you know what? This is my pulpit, and I'm not willing at the moment for coronavirus to dominate this pulpit. So what I, yeah. What I do want to do is uh, I want to take 10 minutes just to talk about how we are approaching this as a church, just so you can be at peace with uh, where we are at. And then I'm actually going to preach the sermon that I had prepared already, because we're in the middle of a sermon series here, um, and there was a sermon that was already prayed into and prepared for. And yeah, again, I just don't want coronavirus to steal that. And so it'll feel like we're shifting gears a bit uh, randomly this morning, because we're going to talk a little bit about where we're at, and then we're going to go into our renovation series again. And and then uh, we're going to close with some worship as we normally would. So um, we have been sending out emails. We've been posting things on our social media. Uh, there is a, an attachment with your bulletin, which was the first email that we sent out. And so just as we walk through this, it's new territory for all of us. And so we're just kind of feeling it out uh, day by day. We are just uh, even hour by hour sometimes we're trying to, to figure out what we're doing and how we're going to walk through this together. And so uh, I encourage you to check out our website regularly, check out our social media regularly. If we don't have your email, if you haven't been getting those emails, please leave your email at the hub uh, today, which is uh, just outside these doors here, and uh, we'd be happy to get you in the email loop. And so as we are updating things, we will be letting you know with lots of notice how we're processing things. And so where we are at is we find ourselves in a situation where 
there isn't any coronavirus in our area at the moment, and we're very grateful for that. There have not yet been any cases in Essex County or in Chatham-Kent. Uh, now, we have a number of medical professionals in our church, and I have been bugging them like crazy for the last few days. They're getting annoyed at how many times my name is popping up on their phone. Uh, but they are ta we're talking to them a lot, and we're getting their professional medical opinions, and they know uh, better than we do just even what the government is saying. And so it's been really, really helpful. And so I do want to just say thank you uh, to Luther Hayes, who is a medical doctor in our church and a board member, Helen Bergen, who is a nurse practitioner in Kingsville, uh, Jamie Allen, who is in the ICU unit at the Chatham Hospital, and then Sarah Weeb, who is a nurse at the Leamington Hospital. And so I've been talking to these guys like crazy. They are all saying exactly the same thing, which is always very encouraging. And basically, they are saying, which is what also the Windsor-Essex Health Unit is saying, is that at the moment, the risk in Essex County is low. Uh, now, it is maybe even likely that that will change, that, that it will start to show up in our area. But at the moment, while the risk is low and while there are no cases, uh, the medical advice is uh, we don't need to start canceling things yet. Uh, we do need to take some precautions. And so you saw some of those when you came in. And so the things that they are telling us to do are the things you've been hearing on the news, but they really are important. And I think what I am gathering is that the reason this particular uh, virus is a bit trickier than maybe other ones is the things that we need to do to stop it or slow it are so simple that people aren't taking them seriously. And so everyone's kind of looking to, well, when's the vaccine coming? When is the right medication coming? When are we gonna have to quarantine and stop? But I heard from multiple people today that the things that are gonna stop this thing, honestly, are hand washing and staying home if you're sick. And if we all just did that, this thing would actually go away pretty quick, or at least slow down. And so we have sanitizer today. We were able to find some. There's no sanitizer or toilet paper in Essex County basically right now. And so Susan in our office spent days just going around. She found a small case. We don't have a lot of it. I'm not sure how much it will last. Uh, so as long as we have it, we will have you sanitized when you walk in the building. Um, if we run out, then we will have you just head to the bathroom right away and wash. And the part that's been drilled into me this week is that you need to wash your hands properly. Have you been hearing this? So not just two seconds under cold water with no soap, what you know you might do in passing, but warm water for 30 seconds, washing every part in between, under the nails, all over. Uh, so when Dr. Hayes was talking to me, he said, sing a verse of Old MacDonald as you do it, because that's about 30 seconds. And I went, that's a really annoying song. I'm not going to do that. Um, but now I'm doing it, and I can't stop. It's in my head every time. <laughs> and it's good. It's an easy way to teach your kids about that as well. We really want to be teaching our kids this stuff uh, as well. So we're washing our hands a lot. If you are sick, even a little bit, we would just like you to stay home for now. Um, we have a bunch of people who are going to be coming back from March break and a bunch of our uh, snowbirds who are coming back from Florida. We're going to ask them to stay away for two weeks, which is what the government is suggesting. Uh, just we're, Everything we're doing at the moment is just an overabundance of caution, but we're building some good habits and uh, we just want to be very, very safe. And for most of us, the vast majority of us, even if coronavirus does show up in Essex County, for the vast majority of us, it will be a mild experience. Like it is not something to, to terrify us, but where it is a little more serious is if you have immunity issues or if you have uh, underlying health conditions like diabetes or, or heart issues, or if you are elderly, there's a, there is a greater risk involved for you. And we have those people in our church and we like them. And so we want them to be safe. And so as we are navigating this, that's the heartbeat behind all of it. Um, we're not gonna do things that aren't safe. The minute the doctors start telling us you should end a service, we'll do it. 
If the government tells us to do it, we'll do it. But the context is very important. And so a lot of these decisions are being made in Ottawa and in Toronto. We're seeing news in New York and different places. And those are places where the virus is very much at work. At Essex County, we're not there yet. At the moment, we're in a very safe place. And so uh, the context is important. And so we will be reassessing this constantly. I'll be talking to our medical professionals constantly. We're talking to our denomination. We're talking to other pastors in town. And just different churches are wrestling through it in different ways. Deer Run is open today. Uh, Lake Point closed for today, and they're doing an online service. I've been talking to Pastor Nathan at Lake Point. That's a gut-wrenching decision for him to make, but they're a much bigger church than us. There are different considerations there that made sense for them. We bless them in that. This isn't like we're open and they're closed or they're closed and where every church is doing what makes sense to them, and we just are supportive of each other as everyone is doing that. So we're going to wash our hands a lot. Uh, we're disinfecting things like crazy after the first service. We got them out of the building. The staff and I ran around. We disinfected every railing, every light switch, every doorknob, uh, everything, every faucet. And so we're going to be doing a lot of that these days just to stay on top of things. And, um, and we, do, we are going to ask. Uh, our cafe is going to be closed for a bit. Uh, we know that the socializing after service is one of the, the most fun things about church where we get to connect. Uh, we're just going to ask you as the service ends here uh, just to make your way out of the building. And again, that's just that's a good habit for us to build right now while this thing is still out there. Um, if you want to keep your visiting going, we really hope you will. And we hope you'll have someone over for coffee or you'll have someone over for lunch. Uh, wash your hands a lot. If you do that, don't do it if anybody's sick. But uh, we do ask you to, to leave the building uh, sort of as quick as you can. And then we're going to go through and disinfect everything again. So everything that we are navigating, we will be updating on the website regularly. Um, we may have to cancel Sunday mornings for a little while. Uh, if we do, then we will, and we will figure out another way to do it. One of the things that we uh, are working out this week is uh, how to get our services streamed live, which we weren't set up for at this point. Um, but we'll be able to stream it so that you can just watch the service from home. And that way, if you're more comfortable staying at home right now, or if you have the sniffles and you want to stay, like a lot of people were messaging us this morning and just saying, you know what, like I, I feel fine, but I've got a bit of a runny nose, so I'm going to stay home. And we're saying, yeah, please do. Again, overabundance of caution, but please do. And so we want to be able to offer our services online. Uh, so we should have that in place for next Sunday. So if you are more comfortable staying at home, then then please do stay home. If, if anyone in your family is sick, please do stay home. And uh, we will just continue to be chatting with you about where we're at and what we're doing. Um, in terms of just a, a practical thing, in terms of our giving, uh, so we will take up an offering at the end of the service and you can just drop it in the bag on your way out. And that just keeps the bag from getting passed around right now. Uh, beyond that, you can give in multiple ways electronically. That would actually be our preference anyway, just because it's a lot easier for us to, to track that and handle that separate from any uh, coronavirus. That would be helpful for us, but a lot of people do feel strongly about I want to bring it into the house of the Lord, and that is okay as well. Uh, if you are going to be away, if we do have to suspend services for a little while, uh, please do find an electronic way to, to keep uh, giving in that way. Talking to churches about money is my least favorite thing about being a pastor, but there is just a practical reality. And one of the worship team members said this morning, our bills aren't taking a break just because we might have to a little bit. And so there are still missionaries we're supporting. There are still things that we have to pay for. And so a very practical way that you can help is that if you are going to be away or if we do have to close down, you can give by texting, you can give by pre-authorized withdrawal, uh, you can give online just like you would pay a bill online. And so all of that information is on our website. That would really help us out a lot as well. 
So uh, a quote I came across this week, just in terms of how we are navigating it, that's all the practical stuff. Uh, spiritually, how are we walking through this? Uh, A.W. Tozer says, a scared world needs a fearless church. That doesn't mean a reckless church, of course. That doesn't mean a church that's ignoring doctors or anything. Again, we are listening very closely to our medical professionals. We are listening to what the government has to say. But we are to be of a different spirit than what is going on in the world right now. And part of the battle around this virus isn't even like the hand washing as much as it's the spiritual fight that's going on, because the fear is very, very real and very, very intense. And we are to be different than that. And so on Thursday, uh, they canceled the schools and uh, canceled school for two weeks after the March break. Um, there was kind of no heads up. It hit like a bit of a shockwave. And so we, everyone went a little crazy on Thursday for a little while. And it was just very easy to kind of get caught up in that. And so I was here at the church on Thursday night. And so I could see the superstore and it was just chaos, like cars in and out. And so I went over uh, for a little bit and it was just like bonkers. It was just like, apocalyptic it felt like and um you know and the 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 hilariousness of uh you know the toilet paper aisle being completely empty the vitamin aisle is fully stocked and so there's a lot of emotion going on. There's a lot of psychological things happening right now. But when I was in the supermarket that night, honestly, the fear was thick. Like it was in the air. Like I, I don't know how else to describe. You know, sometimes you come into worship and you can just re really feel God's presence in a special way. It was like that, but it was, it was dark. And so, of course, we are praying. Of course, we are, uh, are fighting in that way. But we also need to walk differently in this, right? When the world is panicking, we don't panic because God is our provider and he is our protector. We're gonna do everything wise to be good stewards, but we're not gonna get caught up in the same thing. Christ followers are not toilet paper hoarders, amen? <laughs> Repost that, that's gold, guys. That's gold right there. We are called to be different. We are called to be holy. Holy means set apart. Holy means different. And so again, we will continue to do everything wise, but we don't want to get caught up in the fear that is dominating everybody else. And it's very much a case where we're just going to kind of be going with the flow for a little while. Uh, so right now at the moment, we are feeling good about staying open. That might change in two days. We just, we honestly don't know. We might be fine for six weeks. We have no idea. And so I'm not a go with the flow guy at all. My wife will tell you. I like plans. I like structure. And so it's not naturally easy for me to have so much that's kind of up in the air. But if we do end up having to suspend our public gatherings for a while, we will find another way to make this work. We are, are serving an infinitely creative God uh, who is going to help us navigate all of this together. It will be a season, whatever it is, viruses have shelf lives, the this, this season will end. The feelings that we're feeling are also temporary. Uh, we will figure out how this works together and we will be praying all the way through. Back in 1939, uh, in Great Britain, the Nazis were bombing Britain and they were about to invade. And the Nazis had taken over anybody they had ever fought. And so the bombs were starting to fall on England and there was forces massing that were about to invade England. It was a very, very scary time to be in Britain. And they came up with this slogan and this poster, and you've seen it more recently. It's become a meme uh, in the last few years. But where they posted all over the country was keep calm and carry on. And the idea was, we're going to keep up our morale, we're going to keep doing what we're doing with some changes and some precautions, but you know, we're not going to let this fear just cripple us as a society. And it worked. Britain navigated the war uh, incredibly well, considering what they were facing. 
Um, we would add to this today, keep calm and carry on while washing your hands, of course, and, and doing some of these precautions. But at the moment, it's let's not let this thing dominate our lives. Let's not let it, we wanna be aware, we wanna be proactive, but uh, as we were praying earlier, uh, I just, there's a very natural fear that's just inside of us. There's also a very demonic fear where he would seek to do everything to take eyes off Jesus. And right now the enemy would elevate this thing as the most important name in the world, right? Everybody on earth is elevating the name coronavirus. And we want to be people who elevate the name of Jesus over even coronavirus. And so we will keep praying and proclaiming that um, the name corona uh, means crown. And so as uh, they looked at this virus under a microscope, uh, it has, it's kind of pointy. It has a crown-like uh, crown -like appearance. And so this particular type of virus is called a coronavirus, a crown virus. Uh, I said in the email we sent out, we don't want to crown this thing as Lord, right? We don't want to elevate this thing to the point where we're not praying, where we're not reading our Bibles, where we're not seeking him. Uh, Jesus is still Lord over all things, including coronavirus. And join us in praying that he just crushes this thing underneath his feet and the fear that goes with it. And in the meantime, that we would be a holy people, we would be a different people who walk in the peace of God with wisdom and with responsibility, but also peacefully and joyfully and with the Holy Spirit. Does that all sound all right? So we will continue to update you regularly. So keep a close eye on stuff. Give us your email if you want to be on those emails. Um, and even please keep checking uh, because a lot of the information out there isn't great. So we're in bed last night. Uh, we've decided to go ahead with the service. And so I'm sort of dozy and Sarah's just wrapping up her um, some time on her phone. And she sees something on Facebook and says, oh, hun, uh, the national health minister just banned all gatherings, no matter how big they are. All public gatherings are now banned. Um, so it's like, okay, well then we're not doing church tomorrow if that's the case. And so I got up and I look at it. Um, there's no source or anything, but someone had posted it on Facebook. And so I go to the site and I go to her Twitter feed, the health minister's Twitter feed, I'm reading through. And so she didn't say that. She didn't say that at all, but it was being reported here as if it was fact. And so there's a lot out there that's not true. There's a lot out there that's exaggerated. We are listening to doctors and nurses and medical professionals that we know. And uh, so just let's be careful about what voices we're listening to right now. And so please be praying for us as well. Uh, this is, again, just new territory for all of us. And uh, I've been talking to Pastor Nathan a lot the last couple of days as they're making decisions about their church. Pastor Ike over at Deer Run, uh, we're all just navigating this and trying to figure it out. And there's a lot of different push and pull as to kind of what the right thing to do is. Uh, and so it's, it's a bit tricky to know that. And so I said in our most recent update, we are wanting to be wise. We are wanting to be careful. We are wanting to be responsible. We are wanting to be protective. We're wanting to be peaceful. We're wanting to be faith-filled. And it's just a bit tricky right now to be all of those things at once. It's a bit of a navigation for us as well. So please be praying. Ultimately, we just need to hear from Jesus. And if you are praying for us, you're going to help us do that. All right, I think that's enough time for coronavirus to be in the spotlight from the pulpit. So I'm going to preach the sermon I was going to preach. If you're here visiting with us, you're jumping in with us in the middle of a sermon series. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. And I have shortened this a fair bit uh, just in the interest of time today. Galatians chapter 6, uh, it's page 1171 in our Pew Bibles. 
And so we have been in a series that we've called Renovations, Being Transformed to Be Like Jesus. We are wanting to, uh, as part of our role as Christ followers, is that we are being changed, Scripture says. That God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. And so it sometimes gets called sanctification or regeneration or lots of different things, but uh, we are calling it Renovations. God is interested in tearing out, tearing down, the things in our life that are sinful, that are broken, that are dark, that are shameful, and he's wanting to renew. He's wanting to rebuild and build up what is good and what is pure and what is holy, what is righteous. And so every Christ follower on earth is in this renovation process. And so we've been talking about how does that happen? How are we trained? How does he change us? Uh, What are the different things we can be looking to? So for the last few weeks, we have jumped in. Uh, So we talked about as we are being renovated, we want to be people who are growing in the knowledge of God through scripture. The Word of God changes us. The Word of God transforms us. We want to be people who are growing in communion with God, not just Scripture, but the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, knowing His presence as His presence transforms us. Last week, we talked about growing in the community of God, where the people of God help change us. We need each other's gifts. We need each other's challenges. We need each other's encouragement. Sometimes even the conflict that we're in can be transformative in a positive way, uh, and it makes us more like Jesus. So if you've missed any of these, they are all online on our website and on our podcast. Today we are talking about growing in intentional accountability, and that's kind of a sub-point of growing in the community of God, but it was important enough that we thought we should take a whole week just to talk about that. So it has been demonstrated over and over again that if you're having trouble uh, losing weight, if you're having trouble exercising, if you're having trouble getting into shape, that the best possible thing you can do to help you is to get a buddy to do it with you. That if you have someone with you who's going to run with you, or if you have a gym buddy who's going to meet you at the gym, it has just been proven conclusively that you are much more likely to be faithful to what you're trying to do if you have somebody else there with you. I have a friend who was going through Weight Watchers uh, up in Windsor, and I don't know if it's this way everywhere, but in Windsor anyway, the way that happens is you get assigned to someone who's kind of like your coach, and she said you would go in every Saturday morning and you and your coach would weigh yourself. And she said, oh, it was the worst five seconds of my life because someone else is going to see that number, which a lot of us are kind of sensitive about. But she said, it's funny, knowing that my coach was going to see that number really did make me think about whether I wanted that donut or not. Because there was an accountability that if I eat this, that might show up. And and so uh, that accountability of I'm going to have a gym buddy or I'm going to have a running partner or I'm going to have someone help me make sure I'm eating better, uh, it's been proven to be very effective if we are struggling in that area. We are too good on our own at justifying, making excuses. We are too good at sleeping in and too good at, at just finding ways to not do the hard things that sometimes we need that help. We need somebody to come alongside us to help us do those things. In another area, a lot of things that, uh, one of the things that a lot of men struggle with, uh, and Christian men as well, is in the area of pornography. And it's it's very widespread. Uh, It is a challenge for a lot of people. There are things out there that can help us with that. So there's a software program called Covenant Eyes. It's a Christian-run accountability software. And a number of years ago at a church, uh, we were challenged. They said, why don't all the men get this? Even if it's not a struggle for you, why don't we all do this together and and just walk in a strong level of accountability in this area? And so we all did. I still have it on my stuff. 
And so what it does is, is it records all the websites you went on, and most of them it ignores entirely, but if we ever go on to something that we shouldn't, it sends an email to a friend of yours. You get to pick who it is, but it sends an email saying, just a heads up, uh, you know, Chris maybe went and looked at something that he shouldn't, and so uh, you might want to touch base with him. This is just to let you know that it happened. And so what it does, and again, I've had it there for years, it just it changes the way anybody looks at things, because you know, you're not going to look at something if you know your buddy's going to see it. A lot of the reason this area thrives is because it thrives in the darkness, uh, when it's secret and when it's hidden. But this exposes that, which we will come back to in a second. And it's a level of accountability. I know so many men who've gotten on top of it uh, using something like this because you're adding some accountability. Someone else is going to help you as you struggle through this together. When it comes to overcoming uh, alcohol, drinking problems, there's no program on earth that has been more successful than Alcoholics Anonymous. And even other successful ones, uh, explicitly Christian ones like Celebrate Recovery, they're all basically following AA's model. And there's a lot of really good stuff there of self-evaluation, being honest with yourself, making amends, and all of that sort of thing. But one of the key pieces of it is accountability, is that we're going to get together regularly as a group, and we're going to say, how are you doing? And if you are struggling, we're going to lean on each other. And if you are uh, tempted one night, you call me, and I will be there for you. Like, there's very few people on earth as devoted as recovering alcoholics to helping others get out of alcoholism. It's a beautiful thing. And so there's an accountability beat in that says, you know what, it's a pretty hard deal demon to slay by yourself. You're going to need some help to get on top of this, and it's proven incredibly effective. So let's take a look at our text as we talk about accountability, and we'll talk about what that looks like for us as Christ followers. Galatians 6, and I was going to do the whole chapter. We're just going to do a couple of verses today in the interest of time. So starting in verse 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Goes on to say lots of beautiful things, but we're going to stop there. So in terms of our formation, right, we are being formed into the image of Jesus. We are being transformed to be more like him. Uh, intentional accountability works by using confession and repentance with others to transform us. We've talked about how scripture transforms us, how the presence of God transforms us, how the people of God transforms, transform us, and then in this confession and repentance transforming us. Um, it can be a little scary because you got to let somebody in. You got to be willing to open up with somebody. You got to be willing to share. Uh, we are very good at acknowledging in the general sense, well, I'm a sinner, of course, you're a sinner. We're all sinners. We're all just sinners going through this. When it comes to, okay, what are your specific sins that you are working through? That's a whole other level, right? We have to be able to trust the person that we're going to open up to about that. And so we are called by scripture to walk in this sort of relationship. Verse one of our text, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, uh, and the, the subtext seems to be more like when someone is caught in sin, because sin is something we all struggle with. Then you who live by the Spirit, uh, some versions say you who are more spiritual, you who are, uh, have some maturity in the Lord, should restore that person gently. So not with condemnation, not with judgment, not with self-righteousness. This, self this should be a gentle process. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And so I love this verse because it's just, it's clear again that, that there will be times where we sin. When that happens, it's not supposed to be something where we isolate or where we pull back from others or where we shut down. When we sin, it's meant to be a situation where others come in to help. Not to hammer, not to come down on, but to help. 
because we can't deal with all of our sin by ourselves. Again, we're too good at making excuses. We're too good at self-justifying. Some sin is just too big. It's too hard. When alcohol gets its claws in, in a really heavy way, it needs help, right? When pornography addictions are there, they need help. And so it's, it's just so interesting that God's talking about when there's sin, it's not just go away and pray to the Lord by yourself and, and just on your own. It's like, no, there's meant to be a, a coming together. There's meant to be a help and a support uh, with the warning, watch yourselves. You also may be tempted. Like it's, it's not that you're perfect. So be careful. Don't be judgmental. Don't look down. Uh, but come and help the person who is struggling. We don't have to do that for the whole world, but we need to be able to have some people in our life, at least one person in our life that we are opening up to in this way. You've heard the saying that sunlight is the best disinfected. Have you heard that term before? That there is something about pulling what is dark into the light where it loses a lot of its power. There is something about calling something what it is, right? We are very good at saying like, well, I don't I don't have an alcohol or a porn problem. I wouldn't say it's a problem. It's just something I do every day and don't stop. We're very good at justifying. We're very good at making excuses. But when we name something what it is, and when we pull it into the light, that sin that thrives in darkness loses a lot of its power. And so, again, you don't have to proclaim to the world what your struggle is, but to have someone that you trust that you can open up to and have that accountability with, uh, you bring that stuff into the light, and it starts to change things. My wife and I had uh, a situation last year where uh, just connected to us in a variety of ways, fellow pastors that we know, uh, some friends of ours, and uh, different situations where a bunch of people we knew either had affairs or maybe not actual affairs, but emotional affairs, uh, or, or you know, getting to the point of sending pictures to each other or whatever. And all of it was happening, at least getting orchestrated through phones. And it's just a new challenge of the age that we live in. Uh, because in the old days, you wouldn't, you know, call up a married person and flirt with them uh, on their kitchen phone, right? Like, you wouldn't do that back in the day. But there's a level of secrecy now that these things provide. Uh, in the old days, you wouldn't probably, a Christian man probably wouldn't walk into a store and buy pornography. Now there's a world of pornography in your pocket. You don't have to buy anything. And so there's just struggles associated. For all the blessing of our technology, there's a lot of struggle there. And we saw a lot of people get into marital difficulty over stuff that was happening on their phones. And a lot of the the situations are are starting to resolve themselves. Some of them are not. Uh, But it just really struck us that, you know, those allow a level of secrecy. And in secrecy, sin gets to thrive, right? But if we're in a point where we're deleting our browser history so that our spouse doesn't see them, we already know we're in trouble, right? That should be a warning sign for us that we're, we're crossing lines. If you're deleting conversations so that your spouse can't see them, you should know there's something about what you're doing that isn't good. Uh, that should be a warning sign that something is up. Uh, because everything that we're covering up, everything that we're trying to keep hidden, obviously is something that we don't want to come out. And if we don't want it to come out, we should be asking ourselves, yeah, why don't we? Why couldn't your spouse see those conversations? Why couldn't your spouse look at your browser history? And so we can cover these, these things up to a large extent. But Proverbs 28:13 says, the one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. So the first part is a little bit scary, and the second part is a wonderful promise, right? So if we are concealing things, which is what we do naturally, uh, then we don't get to prosper. If we are willing to bring those things into the light, if we are willing to acknowledge them, if we are willing to turn from them, there is mercy available that will never end. There's more than enough grace for any of us to deal with our sin. 
Um, but as long as we're covering, and, and we talked a few weeks ago about Adam and Eve, that they sinned at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, and the first thing they started to do was try and cover up, right? Cover up the shame, make sure nobody sees, and we've been doing that same thing ever since. But if we are able to find somebody, not 10 people, but at least somebody that we trust enough to say, hey, here is my struggle. I'm not going to conceal my sin. I'm going to confess it. And I need your help to help me renounce it. And as I do, I'm going to find the mercy that God has promised. Because we're meant to do this together. Verse 2 of our text, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's a, a scripture that we could skip over, but that's a weighty one. As we carry each other's burdens, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. We are fulfilling what he wants us to do. We are fulfilling everything that he is asking of us as we carry each other's burdens. He has not just designed us, but commanded us to do this life together, to walk this journey together, to help one another out. He has commanded us to do that. And there is something about this uh, that the Catholic Church actually gets really right. Bear with me. No one get mad. But even as there's some things we would disagree about what they do here, um, theologically, there's a lot the Catholics do that we don't agree with, but the idea of confession is biblical and it's beautiful. And we don't really have anything that compares to that unless we're willing to get an accountability partner and do that with them. So in Catholic confession, the idea is that you regularly, preferably weekly, go to your priest and you confess your sin. And they are there to help keep you accountable. They are there to pray with you. They are there to, uh, to walk you through it. And there is something about it that is, that is just really important. It's good for the soul, but it's also a biblical command that we confess our sins, not just to God, but to one another. And so the idea that weekly, you would kind of unburden yourself, weekly, you would find some accountability. Now, where we would disagree is that we would say you don't have to do it to a priest. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to do it to a spiritual leader. So we can do it with anybody that we trust. Uh, for those of you who grew up Catholic, you might remember that as you would confess, uh, the Catholic priest would say, I absolve you of your sins. Do you remember that? That was part of it. I absolve you. And the idea was they were forgiving you kind of on behalf of God. They were standing in God's place. And so we would say, we don't agree with that because I don't need someone to do that for me. I can just be forgiven as I go to God by myself. And then Catholics often, there would be a penance assigned, right? Go home and do 10 Hail Marys and 20 Our Fathers. And it was sort of a sign to God of that you were really, truly sorry. And we would just say, yeah, we don't need to add anything to the forgiveness that he offers. The forgiveness has come because of Jesus. Uh, as we come to him, we will receive it. But there is still something beautiful about this. And so I have a friend named Jesse who has been an accountability partner for many, many years. And he's a few years ahead in his maturity in the Lord. And so he taught me a lot. Um, and one of the things he would do when we started confessing our sins to each other is that he would look at me when we were done and he would say, Chris, uh, you know, I appreciate you being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing. Uh, you've confessed your sin to God. You've confessed your sin to me. In accordance with his word, you are forgiven. And so he's not forgiving me for God. He's not standing in God's place to do that, but he's just telling me what the word says. As I confess my sins to God and to another person, uh, I receive God's forgiveness. And there is something powerful about hearing someone speak those words. You are forgiven. There is something about that, that that is so important to the process. And so uh, there's a lot we can learn in that sense from the Catholic Church, the accountability that they offer. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh, and so there's a promise associated. There's a healing promise in there as well. So it's not just confess your sins to the Lord. It's confess your sins to one another as well. 
And again, we're not doing that for every single person in the room, but we need to have somebody that we trust enough that we can open up to in that way. It's very healing and cleansing when we do. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, the Lord, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When Jesus was teaching us how to pray, he said part of how we pray in the Lord's Prayer is, Father, forgive me my trespasses. Like the acknowledgement of our sin was to be a regular part of what prayer was going to be like. If we don't do that, we deceive ourselves. If we don't think we're sinners, that's just not the truth. We are all continuing to work through the sin in our lives. But if we confess, look how good this promise is. He is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's a good promise. What do we do on our part? We confess. He does all of those amazing things. What our job is, is to do the confessing. We do that to him, and we do that to one another. So the encouragement of the message today is that you have someone, and I've been calling them an accountability partner, and, and that you have somebody in your life who can be that for you. That can be your spouse, that can be a, a friend that you trust, that can be a pastor if that's more comfortable. Uh, there's a, a lot of ways that that can look. I've had a number of different accountabilities over the years, just as we get ready to wrap up. So here's just some practical things. Uh, what makes a good accountability partner? Uh, what are we looking for in that person? So first of all, they need to be trustworthy. I had one accountability partner who I would share stuff with that they would then share with other people. And then it's like, I don't want to tell you things anymore, so I don't think this is going to work out. Uh, we want someone who's going to be open, and you can be open to the same level, but if, if I'm really open about everything that's going on, and you don't want to share anything about what's going on with you, it's going to be a bit hard. So find someone who's got the sort of the same level of openness, but we need to be able to be open in this. We need someone who's gracious but firm. Uh, we want someone who's going to be gracious enough that they're not going to come down on us, right? We want to be able to trust them, but also who's going to be firm in holding us to an account. I had one accountability partner once where I would say, oh, I did this stupid thing this week, and they'd say, oh, that's okay. I'm like, well, it's not okay. <laughs> it's, I'm trying to do better in that area. They were maybe a bit too gracious, uh, but you also don't want someone so firm that they're not gracious at all, right? So you want someone who's gonna be patient and understanding, who, who is actually also gonna hold you to account. Encouraging and challenging, someone who's available. Uh, you wanna be able to do this regularly and someone who's committed to the process as you are. Um, in terms of what do you actually do with an accountability partner, here's four questions that I have found are really helpful. As you get comfortable with each other, you won't need them this formally maybe, but they're just four easy ways for us to keep each other accountable. So the first is to ask, what have you been learning from Sunday mornings? What has God been teaching you uh, through Sunday mornings? So partly there's just accountability of are you going to church? Are you connecting at church? If you're not connecting, are you listening to the sermon later? Are you staying connected to what's going on? So what have you been learning from Sunday mornings? A second question is, what has God been showing you in your devotional times? So are you reading your Bible? Are you pressing into him? Are you spending time with him? That keeps us accountable in our devotional life. How are you doing in this particular area of sin? So choose an area of sin that you want to be held to account on. I want to get better at my words. I want to get better in my attitude. I want to get better at what I'm looking at online. I want to get better. Uh, I feel like I'm drinking too much. Like whatever your struggle is, have someone ask you that question. How are you doing? And if you're struggling, how can I help? How can we do this together? And then lastly, what have you been doing to influence someone towards Christ in your life? Uh, and that keeps us accountable to sharing and to spreading the gospel and to make sure we are being a light and not just being inward focused and focusing on ourselves. 
So for the, the scenarios that we looked at earlier of weight loss or, or internet pornography or AA, uh, all of these things are greatly helped if we can have people that we trust who are walking with us. We are to carry each other's burdens. We're not to do this life by ourselves. As we are continuing to struggle through sin and seek holiness and purity, we are going to need some help in order to get there. And so that you would find somebody in your life that you trust and that you're comfortable with who you could open up to in this way and share these things together. Come on up, worship team. We're just about ready to wrap up. We've called 2020 a year of next levels here at Meadowbrook Church. And uh, just our theme for the year in everything, we were just going, how do we go deeper? How do we go further? How do we, how do we mature? Uh, we don't want to be the same at the end of 2020 as when we started. We want to intentionally be digging in for more. And we've been talking specifically about growing in this upwardly, inwardly, and outwardly. Upwardly in our walk with God, our connection to Him. Inwardly as we look within and deal with our stuff. And then outwardly as we engage with the world around us. And so today, for you to think about as you go, uh, they actually all kind of mash up together in this one. The question for you to ponder is, who in my life is holding me accountable? Who in my life have I chosen to open up to? Who am I confessing my sins to? Who in my life am I um, inviting in so that they can speak into my stuff and I can speak into their stuff? Who in my life am I mutually accountable to? And if you have somebody, I bless that. That's incredible. And, and utilize that and let that person help you grow. If you don't have that person yet, start to pray into that and start to seek that. Uh, your formation, your growth towards holiness will be greatly enhanced as you let somebody into this role in your life and you can be an equal blessing to them as you reach out to them and help them with that. Uh, we have an email address here at meadowbrookquestions at meadowbrook.ca. If you've got any questions about the message at all today, be sure to shoot those off. We'd be happy to answer those uh, and spend some more time in conversation about things. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In my pride, I don't want to let anyone know where I'm sinning. In my pride, I don't want to open up and let somebody know that I'm struggling. In my pride, I want to cover up my sin and keep it secret. But God opposes that sort of pride. But there is grace available to anyone who would humble themselves. Part of that humility sometimes looks like I need to get somebody else. I need to acknowledge. I need to be humble enough to acknowledge I need help. I need to be humble enough to acknowledge I have sinned in this area to a person that I trust. As we do that, as scary as it might seem, it gets easier and easier and easier. It is so healthy. It is so whole. It is so life-giving to have that person that you trust in your life. So that is who we are seeking, and you can be praying about that as we go about our week this week. We are going to close in worship, and, uh, and as we close, we will dismiss you. We will ask you to leave quickly today, if you can, just so we can clean the building uh, quickly again. But before we do, we just, uh, as we head out into the week, whatever the week holds for us, we want to once again just lift the name of Jesus up over anything else that we're facing, coronavirus or otherwise, because it's not like our other problems all went away necessarily just because this week has happened. There's lots going on, and so we want to be able to declare the name of Jesus, stir up our faith and hope one more time as we sing together. So would you stand with me, please? And we'll close in a few minutes.